Our scripture lesson this morning is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 43. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore green, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. Without a parable, he told them nothing. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. I'll open my mouth to speak in parables. I'll proclaim what has been hidden since the foundation. Then he left the crowds and went to the house. And his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the weepers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will sign like the Son the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Brett. And let us pray. Oh, holy God, we give you thanks this day for the gift of your precious word, your word of truth that shapes us and molds us and strengthens us, your word that time and time again points us to the way of Christ. We pray, O oh God, that as your Holy Spirit continues to move among us, that you will speak your word to us deep in our hearts in ways that we dearly need. And we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Story is told of a small rural town where there lived two brothers. All of their lives they went around doing horrible things to people that ranged from vandalism to theft to gossiping. One day one of the brothers died. And the other brother went to the town preacher to arrange his funeral. And he asked him, he, he said, 
for my brother's funeral, can you do me one favor? The minister said, well, of course, tell me what that is. He said, I'll pay you $10,000 if you call my brother a saint. The preacher agreed and word spread like wildfire in this small community that the preacher would be calling the worst person in the town's history a saint. Well, the day of the funeral came and people were lined out the door to hear exactly what that minister was going to say. And once everyone had arrived, the preacher started the service. He said, friends, we are gathered here today to mourn the most wicked, the most hateful, maybe the worst person I have ever met in my life. But compared to his brother who was sitting in the front row, <laughs> I tell you, he's a saint. There's a lot happening in this morning's scripture lesson. I'm grateful that Brett did such a powerful job bringing it to life for us. It starts with a parable that Jesus tells about seeds being planted, seeds intended to bear fruit and to be a blessing to others. Yet among those seeds, there are weeds that spring up that threaten to do harm to their vibrancy and their growth. The very end of the passage, Jesus explains to the disciples the, the parable. He says that the seeds are the children of the kingdom planted in the world by God to further the work of God. And the weeds represent the presence of sin and of evil, threatening to undermine that work. And between Jesus telling that parable of the wheat and the weeds and later while in private with the disciples interpreting that parable, Jesus offers two additional parables, both very brief. First is the parable of the mustard seed, the smallest of all the seeds, yet the seed that grows the greatest shrub of all, which then becomes a tree, a tree which the birds of the air choose to build their nests in. That's the first parable within the parable. And the second uses the metaphor of yeast that a person takes and mixes in with a larger measure of flour until all of that flour becomes leavened. The dough that is patiently kneaded into bread, all of it becomes transformed by just that little bit of yeast. Well, I invite us to focus on those two shorter parables within the parable the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast. For there is a link between them. And the link is that Jesus is reminding us that in the kingdom of God, in the ministry and work of God that is unfolding in our world, in us and through us, great things, large and unexpected things can happen through that which is small. You might have heard the story of a young girl who was walking along a beach upon which thousands of starfish had been washed up during a terrible storm. And when she came to each starfish, she would pick it up and throw it back in the ocean. And people watched her with amusement. 
She'd been doing this for some time when a man approached her and said, little girl, why are you doing this? Look at this beach. You can't save all these starfish. You can't begin to make a difference. The girl seemed crushed, completely deflated. But after a few moments, she bent down, picked up another starfish, and hurled it as far as she could into the ocean. She looked up at that man and she said, well, I made a difference for that one. And the old man looked at the girl inquisitively and thought about what she had done and said. And inspired, he joined that little girl in throwing starfish back into the sea. Soon others joined. And by the end of the day, on that one beach, all the starfish had been saved. Mark and Sandy Albright were members of our church for many years who are now retired in Florida. They're part of our online community, worshiping with us right now. And for over a decade, they were committed and dearly loved advisors of our senior high fellowship. Mark is a gifted photographer, and he would take photos of the various youth events, and especially the annual Maine work camp, and would make unforgettable slideshows to show to share with the church each year, kind of like the way Rob does so beautifully and the way others have as well. In 2015, we had a WorkCamp reunion celebration in Pemigewood, Maine. And for that event, Mark created a wonderful hour-long retrospective slideshow featuring the highlights of nearly two decades of Maine work camps. Many of you or your loved ones are in that slideshow. During the soup sale that will be happening following worship in Westminster Hall, we'll be playing it in the background. We hope you'll enjoy it. We hope you'll enjoy seeing those photos. Well, as I watched Mark's slideshow this past week, what a joy it was for me to see those faces, some of which I hadn't seen in decades. I was struck taking it all in by the number of families impacted by the youth of our church through that incredible ministry that has spanned over 60 years. We did not solve every problem for every person we served. We did not meet every single need. But for each person, each family, each home that we did serve, we made a difference. Each student and advisor, each day, doing their part. Through friendships formed with homeowners, wheelchair ramps built, roofs reshingled, meals made and served. By the way, participants extended friendship and kindness to each other. Each seemingly small gesture of support or encouragement, each swing of the hammer, each dip of the paintbrush into the can, it made a difference. Each word of faith spoken by the long line of advisors and youth ministers. And when you imagine the collective impact of all those moments, all the acts of service, all the words of faith and love, all the students and advisors over all those years, it's astounding. The world overflows with so much need, doesn't it? 
with pain and violence and brokenness. The powers of sin and evil and hopelessness are so great, it's easy for any of us to get discouraged. We see images of a young black man being beaten by police in Memphis. We see images of the death and destruction from Monday's earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Amidst each day's headlines, and there's so much coming at us each day, who could be blamed for saying, what difference could I make? My time, my energy, my contributions, my gifts, what difference could I possibly make? And in response, Jesus reminds us in this morning's scripture of the power of small things. In the parable of the mustard seed, in the parable of the yeast, Jesus reminds us that in the kingdom of God, in the ministry and work of God that is unfolding in our world, in us and through us, great things, large and unexpected things, can happen through that which is small. Mother Teresa once said, I cannot do great things, but I can do small things with great love. And I think she knew what Jesus was getting at in talking about the mustard seed and the yeast. Each stranger she welcomed, each orphan she saved, each word of grace or forgiveness that she spoke, each interaction that she had with another, even if it only lasted a few moments, could have a deep and lasting impact, an impact that embodied for the other the love and the presence of Christ himself. Last Sunday afternoon, <clears throat> About 25 of us gathered in the, the church house across the street for our Creation Care kickoff event to learn and to talk together about what we can do to make a difference in the growing climate crisis. As people of faith, as those called by God to care for our planet, just as we're called to care for one another. If you missed it, check out the video on our YouTube channel. Maybe you could even subscribe and give it a thumbs up. A gifted professor from Drew Seminary, she was there. What can we do to make a difference in caring for our planet? The problem, the challenge is so weighty. What in the world difference could you or your family or even our entire church, what difference could we make? Well, here was her wise advice. You can't do everything. Your time and your focus is limited. Pick something you are passionate about, whatever it might be. Pick that and take those steps. Do what you can do. And over time, you will indeed make a difference greater than you could ever imagine possible. Have you heard about the Jesus ads that are going to be part of the commercials during tonight's Super Bowl? Created by the He Gets Us campaign, I, I read that two Christ-centered ads are set to air during the game. 
By tomorrow morning, more than 100 million people will have watched those ads. Their objective to create a movement to reintroduce people to Jesus and as they describe it, his confounding love and forgiveness. I'll be on the lookout for those Jesus ads during tonight's game and I invite you to do the same. But here's the thing. Don't for a second underestimate the impact that you can have in your life in communicating to the world the person of Jesus and his confounding love and forgiveness. Through the words you speak, the places you go, the people who are forgotten or on the fringe who you stand up for, don't forget that mustard seed, that smallest of all the seeds that grew to be a shrub and then a tree that was large and tall and that the birds of the air chose to build their nests in. Don't forget about the impact of that small measure of yeast that was used in the making of the bread. Without it, the bread would have been flat and tasted nowhere near as good. For in the kingdom of God and in the building of God's kingdom here on earth, great things, large and unexpected things can happen through that which is small. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.